Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
And, Lord, I just ask that your anointing, we, oh, I just ask that your anointing would flow through these airlines tonight, these airwaves tonight, Lord, and you would move upon the people, Father, whatever the need might be, whether they need to be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered, healed, whatever it might be, set free. They need answers. They need provisions. They're, they're in situations, maybe in their family, Father. Father, I just thank you now in the name of Jesus that you're going to move upon this audience tonight, and you're going to draw each one of them closer to you like never before. And I bind the forces of darkness, of Satan, the works of the devil, and you will not interfere in the name of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus, get out. Get out of all people's homes right now that are listening to this broadcast in this house also. You will have no interference. You will bring no interference tonight. And, Father, I just thank you now that you prepared the way for us, and I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. For we can do nothing without you, Lord. We depend on you totally. In Jesus' precious name. And they all say it. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is another night to share the word of God, and I just enjoy doing this so much. This is, this is my wife and my life, is, is sharing Jesus Christ and the word of God and the love of God. This is, this is why we're alive, folks. This is why we're alive. Tonight, I'd like to welcome my friends and family and those that are listening. I know different ones. I won't mention names, but I know there's different ones that have contacted me and told me they were going to be listening tonight, and I want to say hi to each one of you. I love you guys, and you're special people. You love Jesus, and God bless you. Okay. Tonight, my program, in fact, the subject is Who is Building Your House? And you'll say, what do you mean, who is building my house? Well, actually, it means who is building your life for now and for eternity. Who's in charge of it? Now, you know, some people will say, well, hey, that sounds like maybe it's just for ministers or people in the five-fold ministry. No, this, this program tonight is for everybody uh, from uh, the top person in the whole world to the least in the world because God has a plan for each and every one of our lives, whether we're farmers, we can be teachers, we can be real estate brokers, we can be salesmen, uh, we can be a sports professionals, whatever it might be, it makes no difference because God has a plan for you wherever he positions you at. And it's only for your good that he has it for. He has it for your good and for his glory. So this applies to everybody. So this is, this is what he's actually saying to us tonight. Uh, he's saying, who is building your house? Now, when God builds our house, God builds our house for eternity as well as for here now. He doesn't just build it for eternity. He says in Second Peter 1, verse 3 and 4, he gives us all things for, good, for godliness on this earth and also for what's ahead that pertain to life and godliness. And, of course, he gives the full dose. But now if you and I are managing our lives and we're running our lives in control of our lives, building our house, what happens is, we're just doing it for here. Now, I was thinking about this tonight, and I had a couple of questions. The Lord just gave me a couple of questions to ask you. And I asked myself, too, because it goes for everybody. Uh, any message that you ever hear me preach or teach, I have the finger pointed at me just like I have the finger pointed at you because nobody's exempt. We're all accountable to God that we walk in these things. Amen? Now, what I, what I wanted to ask you, now, who do you think, 
can run your life the best. Who can control your life the best? You or God? Well, you'd say to me, that's a foolish question. Of course, God. Who's the smartest, you or God? Well, that's another foolish question. Of course, God is. And we know that's, that is a foolish question. The creator of everything and we ask the question like that. But then I would ask you, is God controlling your life? Uh, well, uh, no. Well, why didn't he control? If he's smarter than you, why are you passing up the smartest being, God himself, to run your life, and you're trying to run it yourself, but you can't even run it anyhow. You're messing up with it. Why in the world aren't you letting him control your life? Right? Isn't that a good question? Duh. <laughs> so that's foolish, isn't it? That sounds foolish. But, you know, our actions actually demonstrate that. We say how great God is, and he's as smart as he knows everything. Yet you and I turn around, if we're not careful, and pick up the, uh, the life that we have, the life we're leading, and try to run it. And then we crash, and then after that happens, then, oh, Lord, help me, I messed up. Well, you see, that's foolish, isn't it? But that's how foolish we can be. And I think sometimes that's why Jesus called us sheep, because, you know, the sheep is one of the dumbest animals. Now, you're going to say, Brother Ebley called me dumb. No, I didn't call you dumb. <laughs> but what it is, it looks pretty foolish in our part. And then he gives us a scripture in Mark 8, 36, 37, and I thought of it in this light here, just minutes before the broadcast. You know, the Bible says, uh, you know, about speaking about what's worth our souls, you know, Mark 8, 36, 37. And uh, anyhow, supposing you would be the most powerful being on this earth there, man or woman, whatever, whoever's listening, man, woman, or whatever, is in charge. And you would own it all, all the money, be the most famous, the most powerful. You would rule the world, right? Most money and everything. And say you'd live 120 years. Okay? After you die, you go to hell, right? Now, that scripture, Mark 8, 36, 37, says, what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? For what? is value for his soul. What's that valuable? Well, of course, nothing. You know, what is 100 years or 120 years if we die and go to hell for eternity? Eternity never ends. What would that be? That would be foolishness, wouldn't it? So you see how ridiculous it is if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. First of all, for our eternity, which is the most important, that's the greatest part, and then for our life here, because, hey, I've, I found out over 51 years that I've known the Lord, hey, I need him more and more every day. And I would shudder to think without the Lord today. My wife and I talk about that. And I tell you, I wouldn't want to be on the earth without the Lord today. It's, I just wouldn't. But praise God that I'm on the earth, and I'm excited and happy and joyful and walking in the joy of the Lord because I have Jesus in my heart. That's what made the difference. Okay. Let's see what the Bible says about this. This is my theme verse. I want to get a couple of these things out just to show you how foolish and double-minded and how stupid we can be sometimes as, as human beings. Okay, Psalms 127.1, a song of degrees of Solomon. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Okay, if God isn't building it, isn't it foolish? Noah was a good example. You know, he built the ark, right? But he didn't really know how to build an ark, but God gave him the blueprint, didn't he? And, you know, just like that intricate blueprint that Noah got from God, we don't know how to run our lives. I don't know how. I'm going to admit to you, I don't know how to run my life. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And you know why? Because in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, God's ways are not our ways. 
but they are above our ways. So how in the world can I live a life pleasing to God and say he's running my life when, when I'm at the stern trying to do it? I can't because I don't know his ways. I've tried to do things already, and I've batted 100%, 100% wrong every time. Amen. <laughs> wrong every time because God's ways and smarts and thoughts are so far above ours that, hey, I keep my big nose out of it because if I don't, what happens is it gets messed up, and I say, oh, Lord, I need your help, Lord. And you see, that's what happens. We get in trouble. That's why we get in trouble, because we don't follow the Lord as we should. If we were always led by the Spirit and obedience, you realize we wouldn't have most of the problems, that, or not problems, but challenges that we have now. Okay? So you see, we're lacking the Lord, aren't we? If we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and if he doesn't have our life now, uh, what this message is really about is our life. In other words, who's building our house? And we want God to build our house. So we're going to look to the Lord building our house tonight. And just how do we do this? How do we let the Lord build our house? Well, first off, folks, we start out a quality decision, a quality decision, a decision that says, Lord, I give myself to you now. And actually, we need to say that daily. We need to give him our lives daily. When we do that, we are committed to him no matter what happens. We are committed to him. Now, when you make that decision, I mean equality, not just saying it out of your mouth and then like a New Year's resolution on the 31st, you know, going into the new year, you make it at midnight and then uh, 1 o'clock in the morning it's done broken. No, 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 I'm talking about serious dedication. Now, on a serious dedication, I'm going to tell you what's involved by that. You know, it takes self-control because, you know, you can't, Make a dedication and walk in a dedication to God without the help of the Holy Spirit, can you? You can't do it in your own strength. I can't do it in my own strength. So we need self-control, don't we? Okay, did you know that in Galatians 5.23, one of our, uh, our self-control instruments is temperance, which means self-control, Galatians 5.23. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that those that are striving for the mastery must be temperate or have self-control in every area of their life. If we're striving for the mastery, and I'm striving for the mastery, folks, and you need to be striving for the mastery, too. We should all, everybody in this world, strive for the mastery because there's nothing as important as seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things to be added on top. That is first place. I don't care what position we're in for the president of the United States, if we're uh, over the, the richest thing, the richest man in the world, or whatever it might be, the greatest thing that we have and the greatest responsibility, the most important thing in our life above everything and everyone is putting God first, right? Now, it takes self-control, we just said, if we're striving for the master. Now, how do we get self-control? You know, it was paid for at Gethsemane, at the cross. It was paid for, but that was one of the seven times that Jesus shed his blood. And remember when he agonized there and blood went down his forehead because he bursted blood vessels on his head. He was agonizing so much about going to the cross. But, you know, he said, Father, he, in, in my words, now not what the word uh, says, right, but it means the same thing, but breaking into our vernacular day, he, he acknowledged the Father, I really don't want to do this my will but yours be done so he gave his will to the father there so therefore myself when i go to do something and god tells me to do something i say oh i don't want to do it oh no lord i don't want to do this hey i've been given the power by the blood of jesus at gethsemane when he shed that blood there 
And I can say, Lord, I, I don't want to do this, but I ask you to help me to do it. Give me the strength to do it, because not my will, but yours be done in my life. And when you say something like that, by the word of God, you'll have the strength to do it. It might be something that's so monumental, it'll cause you to shake, maybe. But when you say that to the Lord, nevertheless, like Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in me, then that fruit is activated. That fruit in Galatians 5.23 is activated, which gives you the ability to do that, you see, that temperance, you see. We have the fruit of the Spirit within us, and it can be activated. And how we activate it is actually we say, Lord, help me to do this. I know I'm to be faithful. I know I'm to walk in love. I know I'm to be kind. I know these things. Help me do it, Lord, because we are to do it, but you have to put forth a step out or step out a little bit like Peter walking the water. You have to step out of the boat and step into the water and that fruit for God to activate it by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get the anointing activated on what you do, you see. You've got to be willing to do it. He needs your will. <laughs> you need his ability, and he needs our wills, right? One thing that he does not force over you and I is our wills, isn't it? He does not force our wills. We, he can't do that. He, he's made himself helpless there because he wanted free will children, you see. But what happens is when we give him our will, he gives us his power. And I call that a pretty good exchange, folks, because I certainly need his power in my life operating, in my life and ministry, and I'm needing it more and more and more and more. And as time goes on, I see how much more I need it. Amen? Because the more we learn about God, the more we experience God, the more we see, hey, I need him for every breath I'm taking. And it boils down to that, folks. Okay? You made a decision now to follow the Lord. Now you know what to do. I just gave you a little, few instructions right there of self-control because you cannot have God control until self-control begins in you, and that was the beginning of self-control, what I told you there, because that's what it is. God control comes on after you give him that self-control, not my will but yours, done. You're claiming that, and then the God control takes over, which is the Holy Ghost, and that's when the job gets done. That's when the power comes into the thing, you see. That's when the power comes in. So you get God control after you apply self-control against your self-centered will. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done in my life. Whatever it might be, whatever he wants you to do. Okay? Now, they always say when you build, you count the cost, right? And I want to tell you something else. I'm going to speak some things that say, oh, my heavens, you're not talking about a pie in the sky or a lot of great things. Are you telling us some things here? No, I'm, I'm telling you like it is, just what the Word of God says, because I'm a minister that ministers the Word without fear, and I minister it the way it is, and I don't move for anything or anybody. And I move for the power of God, and I move for God, because I know if I don't do that, I have no right to preach or teach. If I can't stand with him in all things, then I'm going to get out of the pulpit to teach him and hang it up, because I must follow him all the way what he's telling me to do. Otherwise, I'm, I just can't do it. And that's, that's the way I feel about the ministry and the Word of God. Now, counting the cost. Okay, it says here in the Scripture, I'm going to look at Luke 14:28. And write these scriptures down, folks, because uh, this, this, these words are so important for us. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish yet? Okay, that's true. If you're going to build a home, do I have enough money to pay for this home? How do I pay for it? I need to count the cost. 
Well, I'm going to show you a couple costs that we pay. This isn't everything right here, but a couple of things that just entered my mind and thought and heart about this thing. And this isn't a thing that you like to claim, but these things happen, and, and they have to happen because they happen to Jesus, they happen to everybody. Second Timothy 3.12, it says, Those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you want to live like Jesus and be like Jesus and demonstrate and do what Jesus did, which we're supposed to do, he's our example, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to talk about you, laugh at you, double-cross you uh, behind your back, and, and you're, going, you're going to have some, some hard times, folks. I, I, and you know what kind of troubles me sometimes? I'll hear Christians saying, oh, this happened, that happened. Somebody said this, they did that. Folks, that's like being a ditch digger. And going out in the job being a ditch digger and say, hey, I got dirty. Well, what do you think was going to happen if you go out digging ditches? You're going to get dirty, right? Well, hey, folks, if you live God in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Not maybe, but you will. I promise you that. Jesus said, if I, if they love me, they will love you. If they hate me, they will hate you. It's not you, it's the spiritual of you. See, it's the forces of darkness. It's satanic forces on these people cause them to hate you or come against you. It's not them as a person. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting satanic forces in heavenly high places, you see. High places, darkness, spiritual darkness is what it is. That's why if they love me, they love you because that's the spirit of love. That's the spirit of God. But if they are the other way, then that's satanic, you see. It's that simple. Now, there's another scripture in Psalms 34, 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. There's afflictions that come our way. We're attacked. We're hurt in different areas. There's things come against us sometimes. It almost appears like setbacks and a lot of things that we're up against. But take comfort. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But he said, I will deliver you out of them all. You are delivered out of them all, so they cannot stop you. You are delivered out of every affliction that comes your way in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, every affliction you are delivered from by the word of God. Okay, there's another scripture in John 16:33. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, Jesus. Jesus spoke this. But he said, I have overcome the world. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but I have, cheer up, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So in other words, he says, folks, when tribulation and tough times come your way, don't hang your head down. Don't cry. Don't be blue and boo-hoo, and I think I'll quit. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world because I overcame it. You overcome it because what I did, you can do. He said in John fourteen twelve, the things I do, so shall you do even greater things for I go to the Father, my Father, you see. So, you see, if we simply believe that and act upon that and keep that in our heart, we're not going to have this mollygrob time and boo-hoo-hoo and pray for me, pray for me. We're not going to have that. Hey, we need to grow up. We need to grow up, and that's what God is speaking to all of us about now. He wants us all to grow up a little more because he has a remnant that's going to go out there, and they are going to tear this world up for Jesus. And souls are going to be saved, and, and things are going to be happening. People raised from the dead, healed, set free. We've seen two raised from the dead here a few weeks ago. My son or my grandson was one of them, and it was a little baby that was raised from the dead. God raised from the dead. Now, he's showing his love and power. Only God can do these things. Only God can do these things. And he wants to show himself to us. He wants to say, folks, I'm alive and I love you. 
Okay. Now, here's something else I want to want to show you. Now, these costs, and there's other costs. I want to tell you something. You know, just like it speaks in Romans, he said, the things that we suffer now are not compared to the glory that lies ahead. And that's not just speaking of going to heaven someday. That's speaking of the glories that will come our way even on this earth because I've experienced many glories and things of times. And I know many of you have can speak of that, but we haven't seen nothing yet to what lies ahead because it's going to keep getting better and better, folks, better and better and better. So on the downside of that, it, it comes, but the good side of that comes far better. It's sort of like a woman giving birth. Now, I can't speak from experience there, but when a woman gives birth, I know there's a lot of pain. I've been around them. And, but what happens after that pain, that's soon forgotten when that baby comes out because they are just so happy and joyful. Everything is just joy then, so they soon forget about that. And that's the way with the things we suffer here. No matter what they are, they're nothing to the glory that lies ahead for us. So keep that in mind, you see. Jesus was even on the cross. He 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 knew what lied ahead. You see, so it didn't it, it bothered him. That he felt the pain and everything, but that thing was covered over. But he knew what was going to lie ahead for him. He knew the souls that would come back to God. He would, he would be redeemed. So therefore, he had comfort that you see. So when you know the reward is far greater than any price you pay, it's much much easier to go through it. So see things in that light. If you obey and as you obey God, see him, it's going to be better and better for you because what you do for the Lord is not forgotten. He's taking care of it. You know, you might think he forgets things and maybe no one pays attention to you. Maybe you don't get much uh, uh, encouragement or people say much good about you. Maybe they don't think you're much account. Maybe they don't think you're much of a Christian. But I'll tell you what, you do what you do in the Lord, the Lord sees that and he will reward you. Man doesn't reward you. God rewards you. He uses man as a vessel, but God rewards you. And he doesn't always even use man. He does many other things. So always remember, you're not doing anything useless unto God or things that God will, will forget about or won't reward you for. I just threw that in there. Lord, somebody needed to hear that tonight. Okay. Now, the next thing, after we count our costs, it says here, you know, that our steps are ordered of the Lord. The Word of God says our steps are ordered of the Lord, right? Okay. Psalms 37:23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Now, here's where a lot of people miss this. I'm going to show you something here you probably never thought about. Okay, everybody has heard the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, right? Now, let's look at Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, right? Okay. My steps, so use me as an example. I always don't like to point other people. I always like to use myself. That way you don't get in any trouble with anybody. Okay. My steps are ordered of God. But, B-U-T, there's a condition that, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy steps. If I'm not acknowledging God, looking to him and saying, Lord, uh, should I do this? Should I do that? And there's times you have to ask him for direction and things like that. And if I'm not taking him in the conference of what I'm doing and asking him to help me and strengthen me and thanking him and praising him and just communicating with him, acknowledging him and he's there, uh, can I expect him to lead my steps? I don't think so. I'll tell you why I don't think so. Because many times when people don't do that, they're the kind of people that uh, say, well, I think I'm going to do this. Lord, I'm trusting you to bless this now. 
they never ask him to, if they were to do it in the first place. But when they do it, oh, Lord, by the way, I ask your blessing upon what I'm doing here, whatever they're doing. Maybe they uh, took another job. Maybe they're uh, in ministry, pastor, took a church and didn't really ask God about it or whatever it might be. But they say, now bless it. Come on, Holy Ghost, I'm going over here, and I'll need you to bless this. Sometimes we have to recognize this who is running this show. And it's not you and it's not me, it's God, you see. Now, we have to give him that honor, that respect. Rich is honor in life. According to Proverbs 22, 4, he says, The fear of the Lord brings riches. Humility and fear of the Lord brings riches, honor, and life. Humility and the fear and the respect and honor of God brings riches, honor, and life. And, of course, uh, one that really received that, you know, was Solomon. Solomon had that riches, he had the wisdom and life, long life. Uh, he was blessed with that, but that's what is rewarded from that. So we must recognize that we must honor the Lord, and we must acknowledge him in all our ways, because he wants to take it into things, folks. He wants to communicate with you and me. We need to communicate with God. We need to have an intimate relationship with him. Uh, he says in Psalms 91, 1, that he that dwells in the secret place, the uh, most high will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, if we want to be under that shadow, we must be in that secret place of the Most High. We must abide there, not visit there. If you notice the words abide, that means live. Don't just visit when we need something. But we live there. That's our residence. We're there with God, you see. We're under his shadow, his protection. And, you know, when we're walking and living like that, what happens is a lot of the prayers go away with us because we aren't praying so much about ourselves you know most prayers unfortunately by most people are about themselves you ever notice that pray for me for this pray for me for that most prayers are prayer requests pray for me how many prayer requests you hear pray god anoint me i'm going to be going to do this thing. i'm going to be going to minister somewhere i'm taking this job new job i need your help when i do this new job and i don't know how to do it and i'll do the right thing uh, of course that's personal prayer but a lot of times uh, asking for us to be used of God and, and to see souls saved. People here, you're going to minister somewhere. Lord, use me there. Help me to preach the word. Help me to minister to see souls saved and people delivered. That uh, We really are praying about that. A lot of times it's what we have need of. So we, we need to be praying more. What can I do here? Help me that I can be a better witness, that I can serve you in a greater way, not my name is Jimmy, what you got to give me, you see. So we need to have this type of an attitude of service. It's like John Kennedy said way back in the early 60s, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not God what he can do for you, but what you can do for him. And I think he likes to hear that because that's an unselfish prayer, and you're availing yourself to serve him, you see. Okay, so our steps are ordered when we're intimate with him. Because a lot of times you're not going to hear his voice if you're not going to intimate with him. Because a lot of people, uh, you probably heard him say already, well, hey, I never hear God's voice. I wish he'd speak to me. He speaks to everybody. You know that? But the problem is people are so crowded up with other things in their mind and their head that they don't hear his voice. His voice is wee, small voice, and sometimes they're so crowded and so involved and so uh, caught up in other things and priorities in their life that they're saying, well, Lord, hey, I'm busy here. I got my job. I got this. Job. I'm too busy for that. Actually, they're saying that even though they're not saying it out of their mouth. We say a lot of things out of our actions that we would never admit with our mouth. Like when I first started the message tonight here saying we were smarter than God, 
well, <laughs> we'd never said we know better enough, but yet we don't follow him. As far as he's concerned, we're acting like we're smarter than he is. When he has a better way for us, we say, we're, hey, we're going to do it our own way, you see. That's, that's the things that are our actions, you see. But James one twenty two says, be not only hearers of the word, but doers, or otherwise you deceive yourself. And aren't we kind of deceiving ourselves when we say, God, you're, you're the smartest, you know it all. But I hear that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to apply it. I'm not going to let you do it. We deceive ourselves, it says in James one twenty two. But doers, though, we have to be doers, you see. Okay, thing. You know, in John 4.24, it says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, the word of God is truth, and worship in spirit and in truth is what he requires. And you know what that really means, that verse? Well, God is a spirit, that's true. And that means in your spirit and my spirit, we all have a spirit. That spirit will live forever. The destination, there's two destinations, either heaven or hell. So in my spirit, the spirit that's going to heaven, I must worship God in truth. And what is truth? It's his word. So therefore, I worship him according to his word of truth. In other words, I live a life that he wants me to live in his truth. And I worship him because I'm following his principles, his teachings, and what pleases him, you see. And he wants, that's how we worship him, because we please him when we do the things that his word says that please him. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments, Jesus said. So it's in our servitude. It's in our actions. It's in what we do that shows real love for him. He likes to hear it out of our lips, but he doesn't want to hear out of our lips like the Pharisees said, your lips speak of me, but your hearts are very far away. Our heart and our lips must coincide. What I'm saying and speaking out of my lips must be coincided or in the same as my heart, as my spirit man. It's like the Trinity in operation. You know, I've said this many times, but you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. They're one. What the Father says, the Son says. What the Son says, the Holy Spirit says. Now, we're a three-part being, too, right? Spirit, soul, and body. So what I have in my spirit, I should have in my mind also. In other words, it should coincide. It should be accepted in my mind. And then what I have in both of them, of course, it goes through to my body, and I act it out in my body, you see. But many times people will have something in their spirit, then something else will hit them in the mind, and then they'll do something else in their body. But we need to be a well-oiled machine like the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. God, that's kind of a crude way maybe of saying it. But we need to be coinciding what's in my spirit is in my mind, what's in my mind is in my actions, my walk. Walk the talk, talk the walk. Amen? And that, that's how it is because they must coincide because if they don't, Zero happens. Nothing happens. It's, it's dead. It's a dead letter, you see. So if the Trinity is one, we must be one with ourselves, right? That's a good message right there, be one with yourself. Many people are not one with yourself, and you've got to be one with yourself before you can be one with, with somebody else. And then when you're one with somebody else, you have to be able to be one with God then, you see. We need to be single. There's one faith, one teaching, one baptizing. 
what baptism the word says, but we have all these isms and schisms, divisions and stuff like that, and denominations or churches and things, which is the best tool the devil has of separating. In other words, we're all of a different God, so to speak. A lot of people think it's interesting. I go to the Methodist Church, the Assembly of God, the Church of God, uh, Word of Faith, where should I go? Who's right? You see, that's a division. But we need to get one. First of all, you've got to be one with yourself, folks. I need to be one with Ed. Then you need to be one with yourself, and then we become one with one another and one with God. That's what really brings it on. Because when there's unity, what does unity do? Wow. We, don't, we can't begin to think what unity would do if we were unified as a body of Christ. Man, unity would, take, would do things that, uh, well, it's coming that way. God is, is teaching us, and he's bringing us that way. And it won't happen for everybody, but for the remnant it will, you see. Those that have ears to hear and apply, it will happen for. Those that don't will be out in the cold. Okay. We're talking some truth there. That's a little bit of revelation there. A little bit of revelation God spoke right there. A little bit of prophetic word. Holiness. Mm. Mm. Woo. That's, that's a good one. That's First Peter one fifteen. But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which means lifestyle. Now, First Peter one sixteen says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God is holy, isn't he? Now, I know what you're thinking right there. You're saying, well, yeah, God is holy. So how in the world can I be holy? Well, I'll tell you something about the Bible. Anything the Bible says about you and I to be and to do, we can do it. Because God doesn't tell you and he doesn't tell me to do things that we cannot do, does he? So that means it's possible for me to live a holy life. It's possible for you. Be holy as I am holy. And what that simply means, and a lot of these things are not difficult. So if we make them difficult by trying to explain them away and try to justify the way we want to live instead of the way the Bible tells us to live, the Word of God. But what it, what it is of holiness is simply taking the Word of God and making it part of your life. That's, that's what, the, what our walk is. You know, we say we have to fight the battle of faith. We don't fight anything. The only thing we are fighting is the forces of darkness and everything that comes against us from making God's word a reality in our life. So the battle of faith is simply the battle that you deal with as you work out to make God's word part of your life. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the scripture says. So it's in the process that we take the word of God to be healed, to be delivered, uh, to be walking in love, uh, to walk in, in forgiveness, to all all the good things. There's many, many, many things there. But to do what the Word says, that's when the things, that's when all hell breaks loose, okay? The devil don't care what you say, but when you start doing it, you start acting upon it and making a part of you, and you are serious with God, that's when things start to get a little rough. And I've had a lot of people, as they rededicated their lives, would tell me, oh, boy, I, since I rededicated my life, whoo, I've been having problems. Well, sure, you're dangerous to him now because when you get closer to God, folks, you might as well prepare for a fight coming against you and a lot of things coming against you. I had an attack here tonight before I, I got on the air. I had a, an attack at, uh, just minutes before that I had to deal with, and God took care of it. I mean, hey, <laughs> that's part of it, you see. And you learn as you grow in these things. You know, 
where I'm where I'm at today, spirits, and what I'm doing, spirits today, I thought I could do 20 years ago. You know what would have happened if I would have got into it 20 years ago? I would have fell flat in my face and probably wouldn't even be in any kind of ministry now because I couldn't have did it. God knows when you are ready for things, folks. He knows when you're prepared because you can't just be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God without knowing how to fight the fight of, of, of faith, of standing on the word and dealing with the force that come against you and putting the old man down inside of you. You know, that's the big thing, wrecking yourself dead. These are the things that you have to deal with. But if you're having problems, you don't want to do that. You can never go anywhere in God because you have to reckon yourself dead or otherwise you won't make it. Because when your emotions start to rule your life, and so many Christians are that way, by their emotions they live. And when they feel something, they, they act the way they feel. When they, when they think something or something appears to them, they jump at it. They're emotional creatures. We're all emotional creatures, but the trick of it is and the truth of it is that we don't obey our emotions. We obey the Word of God. You put down the emotions because if you don't put your emotions down, your emotions will destroy you. They'll destroy you. You don't have a chance because you cannot walk and live in emotions in the Christian walk. Emotions have no place in that. It's only the Word of God. We feel things. Sure we do. We have hurts. We feel things. I'm, I'm not saying you don't have that, but you're going to leave them take your life over you. So you're going to act according to what your emotions or your circumstances are dictating to you. You cannot act by what your circumstances or your emotions are telling you, your feelings or what people are saying to you. You've got to act on what the Word says. And I've found this out. As I act on what the Word says and I have that peace in my heart, I don't care what anybody thinks or says. I'm going to go with it. And that's where I'm at in my spiritual life. What I say and do, I'm taken by the Word. And if I have the peace of God on this thing, then, hey, it's a done deal. Hey, if God is for me, who can be against me, you see? That's where that scripture comes in. If you have the word of God and you have his blessing upon you, <laughs> you've got it, folks. Nothing else and nobody else counts. Amen. All I can say to people that have that and what you're doing, keep moving. Keep going because you're in the right pathway until God directs you another way. Just keep on keeping on, folks. Oh, there's a lot of words coming out here tonight for people, and it has nothing completely to do with what I'm saying here, but he has some good words. And I pray there'd be some words of knowledge come out of here, some prophetical words in these things, because I know some of you need some answers here. Okay, holiness, we discussed that. We, You know, there isn't anything worse than, than seeing gifted people that are not, not really walking the walk as they should be. That brings reproach upon Jesus Christ. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is the foundation of the gifts of the Spirit. If you're not walking the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will bring reproach upon Jesus Christ. A lot of people are thinking about the giftings and being out there, wow, I do this, I did that, I had this, I had that. But when it comes to walking in love, when it comes to acting in ways that's of kindness and goodness and things like this and patience and, and, uh, and really denying themselves, they're weak in that area. And that's bad. To me, when I see a person like that, and I've seen a few in my life, when I see a man or woman like that, it's like seeing a man, we'll say a man in a $2,000 tuxedo with a pair of muddy work boots on. It completely destroys it. And it does, you know. We're known by our fruits, not our gifts. Doesn't the word say that? You're known by your fruit. It doesn't say not your gift, but I add that to it because a lot of people are known by their gifts because they're great preachers, they're very gifted, they're very anointed, they're everything, and they're known because they're very charismatic. 
But I've seen some of the most charismatic people. I've seen witches like this before. So don't base your anything on charisma. Base it on the fruits and the witness of the Holy Spirit. That way you won't be deceived because the Holy Spirit will let you know what's what. If you're close to the Holy Spirit and sensitive, you'll know when things are wrong. You'll know God has directed my wife and I so many times and things like that, things that we had, things that people told us that we messed up in earlier times before we knew very much, but we've learned a few things over the years here, and we know a few things, and and, uh, and that's what's helped us thus far, and we've we got a lot to learn, believe you me. I, I don't feel like I know very much, to be honest with you. I shared with my brother on the program the other day there. I just I don't feel that way about it. I, I honestly don't because the more you learn about things, the more you see you're not involved. It's only a higher power and that's Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God. You know it it's all him and not you anyhow. Okay, we did the holiness now. I'm just kinda of going down a few things here and I I'll name what they are. I didn't really go into them a lot. I mostly want to get on the detail of them so you would understand what it is. But the next one is a big one. And people don't think about this very much, very rarely. Motives. Motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? To elevate yourself? Uh, to You have to do it. You're forced into doing it. To impress people for your personal gain? Or what is it? Why, why do you do what you do? Well, when it comes to things that we do, uh, if we really are doing the right way, if we're going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, we're doing it because we love God and mankind. Love your neighbors, yourself, and God above all. Isn't that what the two greatest commandments are? Everything else is within that. And that's why we do it. But anything that we do, if we aren't doing it because of that and unto Jesus for his glory, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, it'll be very embarrassing. That's why you and I better have that straight because... You could have done many mighty things. You might be a minister listening here that won million souls to Christ, millions, and done great works. But you know, if you did it to make yourself look good and be some special somebody, you'll go in there with something big, and you'll come out with something the size of maybe uh, a pencil. And wouldn't that be embarrassing? I sure don't want to be in front of all the brothers and sisters that day and come out with nothing because I didn't do it under the Lord. So you and I really have to be careful with our motives because we can we can get off target, folks. I mean, this is why we've got to keep our eye on this, and this is why you all need to listen to this message. This morning I'm listening to it, and we all need to listen to it because these are the things that get out of check. Well, the truth might get out of check or the motives might get out of holiness. There's, there's different areas here that we have to keep intact by the Holy Spirit, and that takes a close walk with God. And the Holy Spirit will let you know these things. But there again, you have to have that intimacy, or otherwise you'll be walking in the dark, doing the wrong thing, and displeasing God, you see. Okay, now Proverbs 16.2, along with that right there for the motive, says that all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Isn't that the truth? Don't we think all our ways are clean? We're okay. I'm a good guy. There's nothing wrong with me. I do the right thing. I love the Lord, and I help people. I do this. I do that. But says the Lord weighs the spirits. He weighs with a double-edged sword exactly what did be mean by that. Where are we? What, what, what was it about? The heart reason. See, that's why we can't judge a person, because you and I don't, know that we don't weigh the spirit the only way i know your heart is be the holy spirit would show it to me but you do not know the heart that's why you don't judge we know people by their fruits what we hear and see in them but 
Well, that's the difference between judgment and, and knowing by the fruit. See, a lot of people say, don't judge me. And we weren't judging. We're just saying what we're seeing by the fruit that this is wrong, but we're not judging them. But when people uh, say to you, they say, well, uh, I did this or I did that, and you would think, well, hey, they didn't mean that in their heart. They did this because they want a personal gain. They want it because of that. That's a bad thing to say because you don't know that for sure, you see. You know if you see it with your eyes, basically, but you don't know their heart's motive behind it. So we need to leave the judging to God and keep our noses out of that because we can get ourselves in trouble that because touch not God's anointed. And I know I've made mistakes doing that myself, and I know you all have done the same thing, and God forgive me for doing those things. I've made these mistakes. We've all made all these mistakes. There isn't a man alive that never did. Everyone I'm saying here, everything I said tonight, somebody has done. There's only one that was perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. We must recognize that. So when it comes to what we see, like I say, are fruits. You have to know them by the fruits, because if you wouldn't know people by the fruits, they could uh, take you across all the time. It could be a confidence man that you would see, and he'd be uh, taking advantage of people with their money. And if you wouldn't pick up and out or wouldn't know it or pay attention to it, he'd keep taking advantage of you, you see. So that's what you call wisdom and knowing and discerning things, you see, and protecting yourself because that's how the sermon protects you, understanding these things, you see. And that's why God shows them to us. But uh, people a lot of times when they reply, judging, you're judging me, they know they're wrong in what they're doing, but they want to make it look like, hey, you're wrong in saying this to me. But yet you're not wrong because you're speaking fruit sometimes, trying to help them, but they don't really understand what judging is. And a lot of people are in that boat. But anyhow, I just wanted to kind of say that. That's another thing that's coming out here. A lot of things are coming out tonight that has no intention, but the Lord doesn't. I don't do these programs. God does them. It's not me. Okay, attitude. Attitude. You know, attitude says it all. Because you can be a very gifted person in a sport. You can be a fighter. You can be anything. And you can be facing an opponent less than you. But if you have the wrong attitude, you can be defeated by that opponent. I have seen motivational speakers. I've sat under them before. And the first thing they do isn't telling you about that company and what to do and what to learn, because you have things to learn about the company if you go with the company. They said the first thing we're interested in, a corporation, you go as a, a corporate leader or something, is the attitude that you have. What are your attitudes? What are your principles? What are you standing by, you see? And if you're a man or a woman without the proper attitude of what your principles are, they say, hey, we can teach you the mechanics of the business, but we can't change your attitude. That's something only you can do. So you have to have the right attitude, and the attitude would be an attitude, uh, a spiritual attitude, and it would begin being positive, overcoming, and say to yourself and believe this in your heart. You have to believe this firm in your heart. I can only be defeated if I quit or if I stop believing that God will accomplish it through me. In other words, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You have to say that to you. You have to believe that. You have to be strong in that, fully persuaded in that, and believe it in your heart and speak it boldly. When you speak those things boldly, you believe those in your heart, you're not going to quit. You're not going to be a quitter. You're not going to quit. You're going to keep going forth. I've learned that through experience in my own life because I've quit things in my life before and did things wrong and, and messed up along the line. I've, all these things I've done. But 
I've recognized whenever I come to the place that I say this thing and I believe this thing and I follow the Lord and I'm obedient unto him, then I keep going and I do accomplish it because he helped me there, you see, because it's the devil that wants you to quit. The devil wants you to quit, you see. And you know what the scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7? As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think that in your heart, you will become that because you're going to act upon it. You're going to believe it. You're going to say it. And what's the word say? God created the earth by speaking it, right? Speaking to the mountains in Proverbs, or yeah, Mark 11, 25, you speak to the mountain. Or yes, Mark 11, 23, you speak to the mountain, and the mountain will be removed, right? You speak these things. There's power in your words. Your words take form when you believe them in your heart. When you believe those words you're speaking out of your mouth in your heart and you declare them, they will happen, folks. That is the, the duo that brings it to pass. You take the word, what you're doing right there. You believe it. Hey, nothing can defeat me. I'm going to keep on going because God, God will accomplish this through me. And if you believe that and you say that, you're not only going to be built up and energized, but you're declaring something that ultimately you're going to find out and you're going to come out a winner in that. If a man thinketh so is, he says you're a winner, right? That's what the Bible says. This isn't uh, like a lot of people that say claim it and name it and claim it and all these things. They try to belittle these things. Some ministries about sometimes some people that go overboard. But this is a scriptural truth right here. This isn't something crazy. This is something that God wants us to be because there's a devil out there that's trying to put all of us out of business. And we have to have this time uh, attitude like this. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, the Bible says, right? Okay. There's another scripture. Uh, well, fact of the matter is, let's, let's go down here, uh, bypass that faith. Faith is our next and really our last one I'm going to talk to you tonight about. Faith is your life based upon God's word and the witness of the Holy Spirit and all that you do. It's very simple. Now, faith, here's 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 something. I'm going to, I'm going to talk strong faith now. We're, we're going to get into this a little bit of maturity here. We're going to get off the pablum and even the meat. Let's get in some strong meat, okay? This isn't the hour just for the meat of the word, word of God. This is the hour for strong meat of the word of the God, okay? The word of God is strong meat now. It's pablum, meat, now strong meat, because we're a remnant now. We're an army for Jesus Christ, ushering in Jesus. So we need some strong meat, and the strong meat is this. Faith is a strong word, right? And God showed me this, oh, I guess maybe a couple months ago. I kind of lost, lose track of time. And he gave me another word, trust. And you really didn't want to know what trust is in my, my book and I believe this. You can apply faith and patience, which you do, because James 1 4 says if we apply patience, we'll lack nothing in our life. But after you've went that route and the things are still don't seem to manifest, okay, it comes to a place in your life, and it happens sometimes. I've been there, and I know many of you know what I'm talking about. You just plain down trust him. I just trust you. I can't see this. I can't see that. I just trust you, God. That's it. I trust you, and that's it. I trust you. That is the ultimate of faith, the ultimate. When you trust, and it's not blind trust. It's open eyes trusting because you say, no matter what, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm trusting you for this, God. I trust you. 
I trust you. You don't lead me astray. You don't dangle a carrot before my nose and then pull it away. Uh, you're not leading me up a wrong alley or down a wrong alley or what have you, but I trust you, God. And that's something we have to have. You can't love somebody if you don't trust them. Love generates trust, trust and love. Some people don't trust somebody else to say, well, I love you. You can't love a person if you don't trust them. You can't love God if you don't trust him. You don't really love him the love that he wants. The love that he wants is a trusting love, an obedient love, and a doing love. See, that's what love is, not just mere words that you and I would speak, but it's our attitudes and what we do and how we face life and how and what we stand for and who we stand for, you see. So tonight I have, uh, first of all, we've talked about building the house, right? Okay, the house is our life. And there's nothing more important than building our house, which is our life. And God said he will build it for us according to uh, his word, Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan for our life. So he said, I want to build your life. I got a plan for you, daughter. I got a plan for you, son. I want to build your life. But he said, I can't do it unless you let me do it. Okay, we're letting him do it, folks. We're making a quality decision tonight here. I am letting you take over my life, control my life. And not my will done, but your will done, Lord. I give it to you all tonight. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm serious. I want to really live for you. I do not want to play games. I want to serve you because I want to be used mightily of you like never before. I, I claim all my needs met that you have for me personally. And, Lord, I just give them all to you to live for you for what you have and where you want it done, Lord. I'm just I'm yours. I'm, I'm, I'm putty in your hands for whatever you want, Lord. And then you've counted the cost because you know that, hey, no matter what you experience in this life, it's nothing to be compared to according to the glory that's lying ahead for us. What lies ahead for you and I with that type of an attitude and commitment, it's in, uncomparable. We don't need, I can't even imagine the glory that lies ahead, neither can you. Even the hard times we've seen, we've seen some hard times. Some people have seen a lot more hard times. But I'm going to say this, no matter how hard of times they've seen, even what Jesus saw, he considered the glory that lied ahead far above the cross. And who suffered more than Jesus at the cross? If he considered it nothing compared to what lied ahead, what right do you and I have to say? Because nobody experienced anything as much as Jesus did, right? I know we all agree on that. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me drink here. Okay, the steps are ordered of God. Well, first of all, now, okay, your steps are ordered of the Lord. All right, he orders your steps, but you need to be intimate with him. You need to take him in on things. You talk to him, just like I'm talking to you all right now. That's what we do. We talk to him. You fellowship with him. You, you be part of him, him part of you, and be his buddy, his friend, you know, a friend of God like Abraham. And that's when... Your steps are word of God, because if you acknowledge him that way and take him in and fellowship and talk to him, I'll direct your path, he said in Proverbs uh, 3, 6. Truth, well, we worship in truth and spirit. Out of our spirit, man, truth of his word. We worship him out of our spirit, man, the truth of his word, what it stands for. Not about ourselves in any way, shape, or form, or any man, but according to his word, his program. Not our program, but his. Holiness. Be holy as he is holy. Just walk the walk. Walk what the word says. 
Live what the Word says. Motives. Why do you do what you do? Do you have pure motives or do you have motives that aren't exactly what you like to share with somebody else? Are they self-centered or are they God-centered? Are they Christ-centered? Your attitude. Do you have a positive attitude or a negative attitude, you say? We have to we have to examine ourselves there with that attitude. We have the right attitude because your depends on your attitude. You can have the best skills in the world, but if you have the wrong attitude, you'll never make it. Even no matter how skillful you are at whatever you're doing, you will not make it. You can't make it because as you think in your heart, so are you. In your heart, in your mind, you're thinking negative, so what's going to happen? Negative. If it's positive, it's going to be positive. Amen? Last thing is faith. And really, I want to read this one again because it's the bottom liner for everything here tonight. Because once you made this commitment, once you do all these other things right here, this is what puts the uh, ice cream on the cake, so to speak. Your life is based upon the Word of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit in all that you do. And when you do that, you're faced with things. You use faith. You stand in faith by patience, which is a twin sister of faith, and it still keeps going. When you get down to a stronger realm, then it's just plain down trust. I trust you. That's it. That can't go no further than that because I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my soul. I trust you, and I will refuse to even consider anything less. I just trust you, Lord. Now let's go on with the next thing you have for us, Lord. That's the attitude we must have because to show the Lord that we trust. So uh, what I'm saying to you now is these areas in our life, these areas in our life, we must uh, recognize we must recognize and we must apply these to our lives. We must apply these to our lives. And if we do this, what's going to happen, our lives will change. Our lives will change. But this is what God wants. This is, tonight is a night that God just wants to draw people to him in this realm that I'm talking about tonight, what I've talked about. This is what he wants. He wants dedication. So, Right now, I'm going to pray a prayer over you guys, each one here. I'm going to pray and leave the Holy Spirit just move upon your heart. I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you for your word, Father. And I I just pray and I thank you that this word is going into each one of our hearts, beginning with mine and beginning with everybody else listening, Father. Because, Father, these are words of truth, words to live by, words that you're able to use us in a realm that's beyond what we've ever thought about or ever dreamed about, Father. This word, your word, Father. And, Father, I know this is a main thing in your heart, that first of all, people would come to you and ask Jesus into their lives, Father. I know that's what you want. So right now, shut up, take it Anybody here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life, I'm going to address this to you now. If you would just speak the words that I'm going to speak right now and mean them in your heart, you will be saved because all you have to do is believe that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he was resurrected for you. 
because he loves you. He paid that price for you. And he said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're calling upon him. So just say, Father, Lord, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. He was buried. And he was resurrected. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Because you said in your word in Romans ten thirteen, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm calling upon you now. I dedicate my life completely to you. Not only is to have you as my Savior, but I want you to be Lord of my life right now. Be Lord of my life. I make you Lord of my life. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Now, Father, I just ask you to empower me, baptize me with your Holy Spirit, fill me with your Holy Spirit, fill me with your Spirit. Yes, a power and love in Jesus' name. I commit myself to you this very night. Now, for those that are backslidden or haven't been living the life, as we're speaking tonight, uh, just follow me in prayer for that right now, to make right with God and rededicate your life. Father, I heard your word tonight, and I realize that I haven't been doing the way I should be doing. I've, I've failed you. I want to come back to you tonight, Lord. I want to get back into the fold with you. Forgive me, Lord. Take over my life again. And I receive that forgiveness, Lord. I receive that forgiveness that I ask you to to fill me and use me and to direct my life the way you want it. For my life from this point, it's not mine, but it is your life. It is your life. And, Father, I ask for your help with this attitude that I have now for you to take over my life. Show your power, your anointing in my life. Show your power because I know I cannot accomplish it on my own, but it's through you. I thank you now, Father. I thank you for that empowerment that's helping me Walk the walk you want me to walk. Yes, in Jesus' name. And right now, those that are sick, if you have sickness in your body, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you to loosen, to loosen everyone right now. Spirit of infirmity, spirit of sickness, spirit of cancer, spirit of disease, I break your power off this audience right now. In the name of Jesus, right now, I break that power, that darkness, all forces, all curses, all witchcraft, all sorcery, all generational curses, I bind them and I cast them out and reverse them completely out of the people right now. And I release your anointing, your healing anointing, your healing anointing into those that are receiving now. Receive your healing, folks. Receive the anointing right now. Receive the anointing in your body now in the name of Jesus. Receive that anointing making you whole. 
in Jesus' name. Receive it. Receive it. Thank him for it. Just, yeah, yeah, just raise your hand and praise him. Praise him for that anointing. Yeah, yeah, I can see smiles in your faces. Just raise your hands up. Raise your hands up and praise him for it. Thank him for it. Just thank him for it. Yes, 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 just thank him for it. You're receiving it. He's handed to you. All you have to do is just receive it. Consider it done. Just consider it done. Just continue to praise him for that. Because in the midst of this praise, manifestations, miracles take place. Miracles take place. We start praising. We raise our hands. We thank God. And that releases the anointing. And the anointing releases the power and manifests great things. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give you glory. Give you honor. Give you praise. Give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, tonight tonight is a new beginning night. To me, it's a new beginning night. This night is something I can't even put into words, but just God did things tonight. God did things tonight. God is doing things. And I won't say it was all done tonight. I say things are falling after tonight with some of you. But God did something. There was something special I know he had tonight as sure as I'm sitting here right now. And he had it for each one of you who is open to receive it. Because, you know, uh, when I come on this program, I expect the anointing of God there, not just in what I would say or talk or preach or teach, what have you. No, not this and that. I expect the anointing to do it because the anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing is not by power, it might be by my Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6. And that's one of my favorite verses. By the Spirit, that things are exonerated, that things are healed, uh, set free, delivered. It's by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy God, Holy God that does that because he loves you. So, okay, folks, I'm going to get ready to sign off here tonight. That's really all I have to say right now. I don't want to prolong anything. But uh, I will say this to you. I want to give you my uh, email. If there's anybody, uh, in fact, some of you know me, of course, but a lot of you, most of you probably don't because I don't. Only heaven knows how many are here around the world. But I'm going to give you my uh, email if you have any comments or questions. And also on the uh, uh, line down below, if you're on your computer, there's a place for comments on the program where you can put things there. But uh, my email is extended, E-X-T-E-N-D-E-D, hands, H-A-N-D-S, of Jesus, at yahoo.com. That's extended hands of Jesus at yahoo.com. And I'm here for anybody. I'm here for you. That's what what I'm about. And that's what my wife's about. We're here to serve you and be a blessing to you. And I want to hear your testimonies or your comments, your questions, whatever it might be. I just like to hear from people. I love hearing from people. I do hear from people. But I love to hear from more and more people. And, uh, and I know uh, uh, our sister that has the program right here and everything, has the network right here, would would love to hear that too because there isn't anything that encourages any of us anymore. In fact, the Bible even tells us to make known these deeds of the people in Psalms 105.1, and that glorifies him and encourages more people that you can encourage them that they can receive from the Lord. So it catches, folks, as you give your testimonies, it catches the hearts of other people because many people you don't know could be experiencing 
what's your experience and to hear you receiving something would encourage them to look to the Lord and receive it also. So that's what it's all about. Okay? Well, listen, uh, I'll see you in two weeks or the 27th, and I'm going to have a guest with you. I'm not going to name a name, but I, I have a guest that's going to be talking with me that night right here, and uh, he'll be on. He's a pastor, and we'll have a good, I know this will be a good program also. So I just want to thank you all for being on, well, listening tonight, and I want to just, above all things, thank God, and I just speak the blessings of God over every household here right now. And I love you all, and we'll see you in about two weeks now. You all have a blessed evening now.